Welcome to Give a Heck. I am your host, Dwight Heck, and for much of my life, lived my life in quiet desperation, wondering how I was going to pay the bills, take vacations, save for retirement, and one day wondering if I would get off the hamster wheel of life and have purpose. A life that most of society lives, which takes us to work, then home, then repeat, and pays us hopefully enough just to survive. The harsh truth that most live with more months than money and have no idea how to live life on purpose, not by accident. This ensures the mass majority are living not just financially broke, however emotionally and mentally as well due to financial pressures. In each episode, I will introduce you to thoughts, ideas, and guests that can help you to learn how you too can live life on purpose, not by accident. Good day and welcome to Give a Heck. On today's show, I welcome Jessica Teachin. Jessica is a spouse, mother, leader, lawyer, talent management professional, technology enthusiast, Gallup certified strengths coach, an author and a consultant. After law school, Jessica began her career in the corporate arena, expanding from legal to the leader of talent management and multiple operation functions. For over 10 years, she shaped corporate talent management programs by creating strategies for peak performance. Jessica wrote her first book, The Exceptional exceptional, pardon me, life, our evolution to help anyone in any role and any place evolve to reach peak performance because she believes by reaching peak performance, people can live their best life, an exceptional life. Her business, Evolving to Exceptional, works to make the opportunity to reach peak performance accessible to everyone by providing training, resources, tools, and coaching for individuals. Jessica is currently working on her second book, fiercely cherished beings and is the host of evolving to exceptional podcast i'd like to welcome you to the show jessica thanks so much for agreeing to come on and share with us some of your life journey thank you so much for having me i'm excited to be here fantastic i look forward to this conversation or uh, just touching base with you prior to hitting the record button i know this is going to be a nugget filled informational knowledge journey it's great. Yeah. So listeners and people watching, buckle up. We're going to start out, though, like we always do on the Give a Heck podcast and start out with a person's origin story. Um, I dive into a little bit more than some people. I want you to share with me from your, you know, little Jessica, your earliest recollections all the way up to adulthood that led you to where you're at currently. So um, I, as a small child, kind of grew up always pretty uh, argumentative, controversial, liked to, to make my case or to debate my way out of whatever punishment um, I had gotten myself into. And um, so those early indicators of my wanting to be an influencer or, or an attorney were there at a really young age. Um, throughout, uh, throughout high school, I did youth and government um, and really fell in love with, with the legal system and the legal process. And so I started on a path to go to, 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 to become an attorney. So I graduated from college with a, 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 a bachelor's in, um, in, uh, in history and in urban affairs. I got my master's in public administration and then went on to law school. When I left law school, I thought I would become a trial attorney, that I would get into that type of work, that type of, um, you know, that type of uh, uh, the profession. And I ended up pivoting into an area I never thought that I would. So I graduated in 2010. It was right after the, the market crash in 2008. So it was a really tough time for attorneys getting jobs. I graduated near the top of my class. So I thought I was guaranteed a job. That was not the case. So that was my first kind of rude awakening to the world doesn't always unfold how you've been told that it will. And so I ended up pivoting and taking a, a job in the corporate world to help with an acquisition. So a company was acquiring another company and merging it in. So I joined to help reduce the legal cost and do some work while I was sitting for the bar exam. And 
ended up just really falling in love with the company and the people that worked there. And they were growing really fast at the time and wanted to, um, they had no HR or talent management uh, department. And so they were going to be creating one. And I ended up saying yes to a two-year um, engagement that turned into a 12-year engagement. Wow. That's amazing. So you've, you, I like the fact you talked about your childhood being argumentable and confrontational it was an early indicator to be a, an attorney. Um, if we actually look and we talk to people, like we look for people and talk to them about our childhood and, and ask them what their outside perspective was of us, usually you can see and target the fact of why we are who we are as an adult. It's, yeah. it's amazing. And again, it can be outside influences from family that creates that, or, you know, just the people you associate with as a child. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. The reason we become who we are as an adult, we have to, when we struggle through it, right. We have a lot of work to get out of that. But for you though, it, obviously there's a lot of details in between it, not necessarily, you know, smooth there was obviously hills and valleys especially when you talked about the crash 2008 affecting what happened for you in 2010 but you know we're not always defined by the fact of what we want as you mentioned too things don't necessarily unfold the way they want we want them to and look what it led to you got you into something it was a passion and you and I talked about that before we started recording that so many people go to work, go home, get paid, whether it's a job, a career, a business, and they're not satisfied at it. So you found something that was satisfying for you and jumped on board. Kudos to you. Congratulations. And 12 years, like you said, later. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll add, I actually met my husband working at that company. So wow. without that, I would not, um, you know, have the family that I have today. So I always um, joke that even if that wasn't where I was supposed to end up, it was definitely a step in my journey that I was supposed to, supposed to take and supposed to experience. And I, and I made the most of that time. And that's, that's great. How many people in life miss opportunities because they're just not open and receptive to it? So already in the first few minutes, listeners, um, we're already hearing the fact that Jessica was always receptive to different outside, you know, influences um, with a career, sticking with it for 12 years, found her husband through it. That's amazing. And, th and that's a key. If you're, you know, thinking to yourself, life isn't fair, nothing's happening to me. Sometimes you're closed down to you in your mindset and you're not listening and seeing the opportunities that are around you. And Jessica is somebody that obviously did, and you can too. So never think that you're not worthy. Those that are listening or watching this, just start being more attentive to what's going on around you. And if you're struggling with that, reach out to um, Jessica or myself, and maybe we can give you some tips that can help you open up your mind and being more receptive to what's going on around you in your life. So Jessica, after law school, you jumped into a career in the corporate arena, as we discussed, quickly expanding from legal to the leader of talent management, and multiple operation functions, you spent the next 10 years shaping corporate talent management by creating strategies for peak performance. What has this 10 year journey been like for you? Give me, give me some details. Yeah. So it's been a little bit of a lot of different things. So I kind of building on what you just said too, I am a person who says yes to opportunities. So each time there was an opportunity to expand in terms of my responsibilities, I did. So first um, it, that was talent management. So I took from legal to talent management. Um, then I took on some marketing functions. Then I expanded and I took on our IT department. So I took moved into the space of technology, which was really fun and interesting. Um, then I expanded into a, more of the um, operation side of the business. So our order management, project coordination, and customer service functions. So I really got to, through those years, through saying yes, get a feel for all the different elements that have to come together in order to execute on a business to order in order to achieve the outcomes and results that you want to have in a business and 
I'm a person who really likes to learn everything as I go. So, you know, I would get in there when it comes to technology and, and not down to the depths, but to understand how it works and how to leverage it and how to use it and how to optimize work processes and um, really enjoyed getting to experience not just managing or leading those functions, but really understanding how they work. Um, and helping to design how to make those functions work as, fact, as effectively as possible. So it's kind of doing all of those things while in parallel and where my passion certainly lies is in the performance of people and how to help people early on, maybe, maybe 10 years ago, early on in my career, I really had this passion for helping people to live better lives, to live these exceptional lives that one day when they look back on their life, when they're looking at the end of their life, they can look back and say, I lived a great life. And at the time I wanted to make it where uh, my former company was a part of that, was part of that looking back fondly. Most people don't look back fondly on their workplace and their work experience. And so I, I believe, and I, I did then and I do now, that if we can cultivate the right workplace experience, that that can become part of a positive part of our journey and, and something that we look back on with fondness. So that was something I was really spending a lot of time on. And what was great was I was building the systems and the processes and the trainings, but I was also applying them in the application side of the, you know, in the operations and, and execution side. So everything I did, I got to, it wasn't just academic. I got to see it play out. I got to experience whether it worked or it didn't work um, and, and how it impacted performance and the results that people were getting out of their performance. So it was a really um, unique opportunity to be able to kind of work in a small enough company that I could bridge those different areas and have that opportunity to have all of those experiences. Wow. That is that's amazing. You know, you started off saying you said yes to opportunities and then you listed all the different areas that you went through. And the first thing that popped into my mind was you listen to it on all the time growing up. I'd hear, well, you start in the mailroom and work your way up. And that's, that's literally, you know, not necessarily how you started, but that's the process. You were willing to try new things. And then you talked about the fact of, you were learning, you're, you're a tenacious person, want to learn and have that knowledge and you want to see it getting applied. And as that process went on, you kept on pivoting, leveling up. And now you've taken that into your own business. Um, fantastic. I like the fact you also talked about most people don't understand and look back and know, hey, I lived a great life. And you talked about it in the regards to business, but that's life in general. We are so focused as a society to focus on the negative that even if we have a, a bad job or career, I've experienced this in my life, having a bad job, career, having a business that I really wasn't, it wasn't the greatest. I focused on the negative and stay, instead of thinking to myself, what good did I learn from that experience? What can I take away? Did I meet great people? Did I learn some information that I'm now carried into my next career or my next business? And when I started focusing more on the positive, it didn't matter how bad it was at whatever circumstance of a job, career, or business, there was always good because right. I started training my brain. I don't, I don't know, if, you know, I already know you were there, right? But, you know, listeners, myself, I, I struggled. I'd easily climb into the rabbit hole because of the associations I had. Always worry about who you're listening to, who is who is actually pushing your buttons? What information are you taking in? If the people you associate with the information you're taking in is always negative, it's really hard to be positive about anything. So that is one of the first baby steps I always recommend people take. Wouldn't you agree? That would be a great thing yeah. to do. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So think really hard about who those five people are that you spend the most time with, because that's, oh. that's who you're surrounding yourself with. Yeah. People are in your life, not necessarily for your life. They're there for a portion of your journey and it's okay to disconnect. Right. And I do a lot of coaching about that too, with people, with my clients over the last 19 years, that it's okay to disconnect even from family, because at the end of the day, this is your one shot at life. This is not a dress rehearsal. And you should not have to feel guilty for wanting to constantly level up 
And if that means you limit time with family, not necessarily disconnect, or you disconnect from certain friends or former things that you've done in your life, that's, that's okay too, right? Mm -hmm. That five it, people you're talking about is so important. In fact, I think it is necessary and appropriate to grow and either you grow with the people that are in your life or you, you grow differently. And, and I think when you can just accept that and, and not, um, you know, feel guilt or feel frustration with it. It allows you to like look on that relationship or friendship with kindness based on everything that you learned. And when both people can do that and then move on with their lives, then it's, it's a positive um, moment in time rather than some negative break that happened or some hurtful thing that happened to one person, because inevitably we do grow, we do change. And as a result, the relationships that we have and the people that we have in our life have to change as well. Of course. And as an addition to that, if the other party doesn't, you know, you can't necessarily always make a clean break. That's okay. It's not about them. It's about you. It's yes. about the fact of understanding that sometimes you walk one way on a path, they walk the other. Sometimes it's it's amicable, and you both walk away gentle. And sometimes you walk on your path, the other person walks off a cliff, because right. they're so lost in their mindset that you just, you have to break and there could be some aftermath and some bloodshed, not figuratively, right? Not right. physically. <laughs> and, you know, that's okay. So people listening, sometimes it's not going to be easy. Sometimes it is. I totally agree with Jessica. So Jessica, can you share with the listeners a snapshot of the strategies you've created and now implement for people's peak performance? Yeah. So the way that I approach performance is really to look at it as a journey. And so I always like to think, I actually use performance mountains as my analogy that we're all climbing mountains and that we climb different mountains. Um, you know, some are Rocky mountains, some are, you know, smaller Hills. They're all of different sizes and shapes. And then we climb different ones throughout our lives and that trying to live that exceptional life, which is not a perfect life. Consequently, when I talk about living an exceptional life, it's not perfect, but it is a life that's filled with experiences that we enjoy along the way. So the experiences of our journey itself is enjoyable. And I believe that people, if people can operate at their best, if they can find their peak performance while they're going through the journey, um, while they're, while they're on their journey, that that's how you live the best life. That's how you get into that flow state and that momentum to really have all of those exceptional experiences. And so the way that I then approach that is I think there's kind of three key elements. So the first is to really know yourself, um, know who you are, your strengths, your talents, your values, your performance mindset, your capabilities to really know who you are. The second is I have um, what I call the four keys to unlocking peak performance. And that those are like the knowledge that you have of how to achieve peak performance. And then the third piece is real reflection. And we often get the knowledge, but we don't take the time to go through real reflection to translate that knowledge into insight and skill so that we can actually take action in our lives on it. And so that third piece of real reflection is really how to take that knowledge and integrate it into how we live and operate in our lives on a daily basis so that we can achieve the, the performance results and the life that we want to live, hopefully an exceptional life. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I like that. Uh, you talk about performance mountains and, you know, literally at the end of the day, too many people are camped in life and the climb is real. And if you stay camped too long, sometimes in life we have things that go on and that's okay. We can have temporary moments where we're camped in life because of loss or there's issues within our home life or whatever the case may be. But we need to have that real reflection, as you mentioned. We need to be able to really reflect on what's going on so we can start climbing again and back again. It always goes back to your associations and what are you associating with? What's, what's your anchor in your life? And sometimes it's not outside forces. It's our own selves, right? So. Right. 
I, I like the fact you talked about that. Obviously, listeners, you want to know more about the three steps, know yourself, the four keys to unlocking peak performance and real reflection, reach out to Jessica and start your journey of self-discovery and getting ahead. One of the things I did really like too, is you talked about is the journey, enjoy, you know, is, is the journey enjoyable is what I wrote down. Well, the reason I mentioned that is so many people are always focused on the destination that they, they miss the journey. And realizing, yes, part of your journey is scraping your knee, getting up and have, you know, you're tripping and falling and picking up, starting over again. And people quit just before they're where they need to be. And, and then where they need to be could be just around the corner, but they're so blindsided by the fact, oh, another, I failed again. And they don't understand that they need to, again, back to that real reflection, reflect on their journey of where they're going and enjoying it. Because sometimes that's the best part, the destination, people hit the destination and they go, now what? <laughs> right. They, 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 it's, it's not as fulfilling as they thought it was going to be because they forgot to enjoy the process, whether it was a month, a year, 10 years. Um, so I appreciate you bringing that up. Is there anything else that you'd like? Yeah. To often I like to say that like, they're so focused on like, it's like, if you're climbing a mountain and all you do is look down, you've missed out on some of the most amazing parts of the climb, right? Because if you never look up, you never see the view, you never see how far you've come. You never see how, how much you've accomplished and how much you've got gotten through as you're climbing and going throughout that journey. So you've got to take the time to really like look up and to, to recognize that each of those experiences, whether, and certainly climbing a mountain is not easy right? Like it's, it's not, it's not a simple path. Each piece is part of the experience. It's part of the journey. And I think oftentimes we get into this mode of, of judging things as good or bad and judging challenges as bad and successes as good. But when we're on a journey, the challenges are just another experience on that journey. And if we can look at all of it as a success, then we will love it that much more. We love the accomplishment and we can even learn to, it's not always easy, but learn to love the challenges, right? Learn to love the stumbling blocks where we've scraped our knee, the, the challenges we face because of where they allow us to go, the views that they allow us to see and the perspective that we get having gone through them. Well, yeah. And I look at, you know, moments in my life where there's been challenges and I've scraped my knee and I think to myself, tomorrow is another day. I'm kind of excited because now I get to try a different way of approaching it and yeah. I get to see what the outcome is going to be. So it's all what we say to ourselves. Our self-talk is so important on that climb and realizing, you know, we both agreed we were going to scrape our knee, but are you looking at it, reflecting on it properly? So there's so much more steps than, than we're talking about listeners, but hopefully it gives you the hope and gives you some faith that there you can change. There's people out there that can help you. You're never alone. You don't have to go at it alone. So Jessica, you wrote your first book, The Exceptional Life Aura Evolution, to help anyone in any role in any place evolve to reach peak performance. What was the journey like to write your first book and publish, and what has it done for your business? So I, it was right around the end of 2020 when, um, and really it was the experience of the pandemic in 2020 that really shifted how I was approaching and how I was approaching performance and how much those performance practices could be effective in all the parts of my life. So when the, the COVID pandemic hit in, in 2019, I had nine month old twins um, that I was taking care of and a um, four-year-old boy. So I had really small kids at home. I was vice president in my company and managing all of the, the HR issues, as well as the IT issues that came with everybody going remote and all of those pieces. And it was a really hard time. And as I applied the performance practices that I developed and used in those really tough situations, in those most challenging and trying moments, that was when they made the biggest difference. That was when it really helped people with their performance, with how to balance, with how to get through what was really some of the toughest times I've seen my employees go through and the, and the employees that work for me at the time. 
And so near the end of the year, I started to have this feeling like I need to write this book. I really think I'm supposed to write this book. And I really didn't start writing it until March of, of March, April of 2021. And I wrote the book, um, you know, on vacation every night I'd put my kids to bed and then I'd go, you know, down to my basement office and I'd work on the book till midnight. And, um, you know, that's how I squeezed in writing that book. And I published it six months later in, in October of last year. And, um, it was, it was one of the most challenging, but also one of the most fulfilling times of my life. I really loved writing the book. I really loved sharing the insights in the book and it really helped center me on my purpose and, and on who I am as a person so that I could step more into what I wanted to do with my life beyond where I had climbed to or, or the, the, the place that I'd gotten in that performance journey. It kind of brought to light that I was at the end of my mountain, at the end or at the top of my current performance journey. And it was time to, to go climb another mountain. It was time to go do something different um, and, and take on new challenges. And so it was really that that kind of shifted me out into creating my now business that's evolving to exceptional. Wow. And I like the thing that stuck most was the comment you made just maybe a minute ago. It's about the fact that you hit the top of your mountain of your current mountain doesn't mean you can't start climbing and doing other things. We're never too old. It's never too late. Like I always tell people to give a heck. And never, there's never a moment in time in life that you have to be camp. If you choose to be, that's totally your choice. And I respect that. But most people that are driven, such as yourself, you need to constantly be climbing. You can only be temporarily camped. I can't even imagine though. Nine-month-old twins, four-year-old boy, VP of the company, end of 2020, we're in a pandemic. And yeah, I can't imagine the pressures you felt. But guess what? You didn't let that define you forever. Maybe temporarily you were camped, but you did not let it define you forever. As you mentioned, it was a tough go for you. But look where you've look where you are now. Look what you've accomplished. So kudos to you. Congratulations. Um, I wrote a book in 2021 as well. I started mine though in November of uh, 2020. And then I, uh, it, it got released in March of 2021. It's actually right over my shoulder there. All right. I got that from my publisher when it, uh, because it hit, hit uh, bestseller status. So I understand what you're talking about, wanting to share that information and give people hope. And it was very cathartic for me. I don't know if it was for you to write that book. It was very, it was great. It was emotional. I had times where I was just like, I was emotionally you know, and physically just drain because I'd go over a chapter and think, should I add this? Should I take this out? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you felt any of that. Um, it was, it was yeah. quite the journey people. If you've ever thought of writing a book, it is a lot of work, but it's very cathartic. It's very, I, I'll, I never will regret it right ever. And I've already thought mm -hmm. about my next titles because I'm going to use my give a heck brand as a catalyst. So it can be give a heck whatever it could be give a heck how to how to you know raise your family or this my first book is how to live life on purpose not by accident and it was me releasing the things that i've held up inside from my origin as a little child all the way up to where i am today and yours was to help people empower them right so realizing yeah. that they could be they could, they have a peak performance in them and you just you're going to help get it out of them yeah and, and hopefully you know, it, I think it happens through evolution. So that's kind of the play on words with it's, it's a revolution. So it's, we have to evolve, but also if enough people do it, we can start a revolution of people really living exceptional lives. And I really believe that. And I believe that it's important that we do so. It's important that we break things that don't work today and we replace them with things that do so that people can live our, live better lives. And I think that the pandemic and the experience that we went through broke a lot of our sense and our, our, the way that we saw things because everything changed all at once. And so it really caused us to have to think differently about our lives and slow down in our lives. For me, I'd been running a marathon. I went through law school, then I went into corporate. I had all these kids. I had all these initiatives. I took on all these roles. I don't think I ever stopped to catch a breath 
in all of that time, I was traveling, I was doing different events, I was, you know, managing people. And so the pandemic was the first time I was really, truly like stopped for a while to, to, uh, to be able to even really think. And I think that shifted for a lot of people what was important, what matters, and made them give a heck, right? It made yeah. people think about what really matters. And, and the thing I also found was that the principles that I'd used successfully in the workplace for years then were so helpful in other settings, in my role as mother and, and spouse and in my role at home. And so my book actually targets workplaces, homes, and communities and how you can apply the same practices, the same strategies, the same principles in each of those areas. And if we do, we can build up better performance practices and better experiences in each of those environments. And Lord knows we need it, right? In our families, there's challenges there. In our communities, when I say communities, I mean our schools, our churches, our uh, governments, and you know our effectiveness and our ability to, to perform well and get along well and challenge tough topics or, or take on tough challenges is really hampered and hindered in a lot of cases. And so if we can use those practices, if we can learn them, then we can all live better lives and create better experiences for everybody. Yes, absolutely. Um, listeners, one thing though I'll mention about any book, you only learn if you open up the cover and start reading it. And if you're an Audible fan, that's great too. I listen to a lot of books on Audible. You know, best place to hide information that can change the world is put it in a book because most people won't open it. So, you know, I hope listeners that you will check out Jessica's book. Um, yeah, it sounds amazing. Um, and it I, is on Audible also. So sweet. if anybody wants to get it on there, I, I recorded it on Audible. So it's my voice too. Yeah, um, I, I have to do mine yet, but that's great. <laughs> that's awesome that you have it on Audible already. So Jessica, why do so many, in your opinion, just coast through life and live on a hamster wheel and never achieve their true peak performance? You know, I think it is uh, that we're not taught the practices for one. I talk about that, um, you know, in my book that I went, I went through years of school, right? I went through college, grad school, law school, and most of the things that have really impacted and made me effective and successful, I've learned since then. I've learned in the workplace from reading and experiencing and having my own, um, <clears throat> my own learning path. And so I think a lot of people are not, are just not taught the skills or, or learn the right capabilities to manage their performance effectively. Yeah, it's, it's true though. We're not from our earliest recollections of our childhood. When I look back and I think about growing up, I think about what T school taught me or the associations of in our my parents or family social circle. There wasn't a lot of conversation about leveling up or peak performance or moving forward in life, it was always defined on, you know, go to school, get a good job, get married, have 2.1 kids, right? Two kids and a dog or a cat or whatever. And right. there was nothing really about what do you really want to do? What do you want to aspire to be? You know, here's the steps that help you because guess what? Let's be real. Our families didn't really know that either, right? Some people did, but most didn't. And I don't know that, you know, I don't know that I necessarily think as a child, you can even begin to know what do you want to be or what do you want to do? I would never have picked this spot for myself, right? So I think it's more about cultivating the skill set of saying yes, of, of cultivating that growth versus a fixed mindset of how do I keep learning, keep growing, see, see failures as opportunities for growth? How do I teach those skill sets or, or cultivate those skill sets? And I, I do that with my kids now, they're still really little, but I, I kind of laugh when my son, he's only in kindergarten, but he comes home and they're teaching him, you know, how to put things in patterns or, you know, how to draw the hands on a clock and, you know, on a traditional clock. And, and, and in my mind, I'm thinking like, let's make sure we're covering, you know, how to overcome challenges or, you know, how to, how to shift our mindset when we're feeling defeated or not just, you know, how to fill in patterns, you know? So it's, it's, um, 
I think, I think that's something that, that is an area of growth that is, is probably bound to come to really equip people with the right mindset and skill set principles that will carry them much farther than the traditional, you know, education, um, you know, elements, not negating that we don't need to know those things. Certainly we do. Um, but some of it, we do adding, adding some of it, some of it, some of it. Yeah. Some of it. Those patterns you talk about, the, and again, this isn't a slight on any of the educators. It's a slight on how the education system was developed in North America and the world. It's all about patterns. It's about teaching people useless things. I'm sorry, listeners, anybody that gets offended by this, but teaching somebody to draw hands on a clock in a digital age is sad. Most kids today are not looking at an analog clock. Yes, we may have as parents a nice one on our wall that looks really pretty, but we're not even looking at it for the time. We're checking our microwave out, we're checking our stove, we're checking our, our smartwatch, we're watch, looking at our phone. So that time spent doing that could be better spent other places like you were saying. So again, it is broken, it needs to change. You can't expect people to learn all the same some little sally or little johnny might be really good at pattern behavior and they become an honor student they become a valedictorian and then i look at those people's lives later on and i've done a lot of research on this and they're living an unfulfilled unperformance driven life they're they're they don't have that structure that they had of pattern in school in adulthood, and they literally are living on a hamster wheel in desperation. So the education system, there is good things for patterns, as you mentioned, but there's a lot of room for growth. And I hope you're right. I hope it does happen in my lifetime still, <laughs> that it, the well, education system pivots and changes, but I'm not seeing it. Well, and, and you, you go a step further from the education system into the workplace. And for the most part, only you only get really good training if you get into a high potential or, or leadership or management program. And so, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in if we spend, instead of spending a lot of money on a few people, if we spend a reasonable amount of money on everyone to give them those skill sets, we'll see far better performance results. And in most cases, you know, you go in and you're kind of, you're kind of thrown to the wolves, like sink or swim, figure it out. You know, well, I figured it out. You got to figure it out, you know, kind of approach to learning how to perform and learning how to, to do not necessarily the task itself. There's usually instruction around that, but all of the, um, how to overcome challenges, how to set expectations, give feedback, interact, communicate, get um, into, into a high accountability mindset, how to develop new skill sets. All of those things are typically secondary and, and don't, are not taught to the masses. Yeah. Even if, yeah, if it's even secondary, because there's if, a very small, is. very small portion of the population get into that, like you said, where they're in a high-end situation where that company wants them to evolve or they're in a business where they're around people, like-minded people in a mastermind situation or in a conference situation where everybody's trying to uplift and help one another, small, small portion of the population has access to that. And it's so key that our education system starts focusing more on our six inches between our ears and our personal uh, development of how we associate, how we deal with triggers. And, and if we could help young minds like that, it would help them because a lot of them young minds are going home to stressful situations where mom and dad um, are going through so many different circumstances. Maybe it's a single family home and they don't know how to cope with any of that because they're not being taught the simplest things on how to, you know, live life and, and not live a life where they're feeling already they don't even understand the feeling of quiet desperation but they're already stuck there so again educators on the highest level i'm not talking to the teachers i'm not talking about the principals they do their job and what they're trained to do is pattern teach it's up to the higher level people to change the curriculums in government right all the way down and it needs to start now they can't continue on this path because all we're doing is setting up a society that's based on patterns or little automatons and their little robots living unsatisfied, unfulfilled, non-performance peaked lives. And it breaks my heart. 
and why I do what I do and what you do, what you do is to Absolutely. help people. So Jessica, can you share with the listeners and the viewers a story of how your processes have changed an individual or a company's outlook, thus their results? Yeah. So I can start with my past company. Um, you know, we went from no HR department, talent management department at all, um, to becoming a global Gallup Exceptional Workplace Award winner three years in a row, which is a, a huge accomplishment um, to, to get to that level of employee engagement, to get to that level of performance practices that really make a difference in terms of how people feel um, about their work in their workplace. So that, that's kind of in the, in the workplace space. Um, my favorite story of impacting an individual is uh, an employee of mine and I actually tell this story in my book, she was an intern um, who started with me and um, it was her, I gave her a project to manage our employee engagement survey. So the platform, the rollout, and she messed it up pretty good. Um, it was her first project that she was leading and we ended up having to stay late on a Friday and we still couldn't roll it out on time and there were just challenges with it. And um, she got into this negative mindset of, you know, well, I guess I'm not capable of being a project coordinator. I guess that I'm never going to, you know, I just need to go be a payroll person or an administrator. I don't have that skill set, you know, or, and then she started to say, you know, maybe I didn't really care. I don't know that I really cared about it that much, you know, about, you know, it wasn't something I enjoyed. So I just didn't care that I made mistakes. And um, we were sitting in a conference room, and, and that's just a total lack of accountability mindset, right? It's just fallen into a, a fixed mindset and a defeatist mentality. And I knew I needed to wake her up. And I, and it was the first time she'd ever really failed. So she'd been, she's super smart, super talented. So she'd never failed at anything until that moment. And I looked at her and I said, you know, you are, you are totally missing it. If you don't care about what you're doing, then you can get up and walk out and never come back because I cannot handle someone who doesn't care. You can leave. But if you think that you're not capable, you are so wrong. Everyone, everyone who's ever managed a project has failed at a project because you don't get good at managing projects unless you fail at managing them. It's just part of managing projects. And so we've got to get over, you know, I talked to her about getting over the failure and recognizing that we're going to have failures when we stretch ourselves. And she's, she's incredibly bright and talented. And so if she gave up at that point and said, I'm just going to be an administrator, she wouldn't be who she now is today, five years later. She is um, actually works for my company as a consultant. She's a certified Gallup Strengths coach as well. She is a phenomenal talent and just grown so tremendously and probably the strongest project coordinator and manager you'd ever find anywhere because she got good at that skill set. And so um, I like that story because I it, it's so practical and it's so real in that. And sh she even tells to this day how that forever changed her life, that wake up call of, oh, Oh man, like I got to get back up when I fall down. I can't come up with reasons, stories, and excuses. I have to get up and figure out how to overcome it and saying, I don't care, or I'm not good at it is not an option. Like we, we can't do that. So that's probably my favorite individual story of really changing life path and direction. Cause I think she would have ended up somewhere very different. Uh, she was blessed to have you as a mentor, um, cause so many people would have not given her the option A and B. You said, well, if you're, if you're going to feel this way, then just leave. But I don't believe that to be the case. You're quite talented. Let's, let's push forward. And like you mentioned though, that was the first time she'd ever, you know, especially if she was type A and never had experienced uh, failure before it would have been so easy to push her off the cliff. Right. right. And listeners, think about the people this always goes back to associations if the people around you are so negative and always pushing you to feel more negative when you're just sharing and you don't necessarily ask for advice but you're getting unsolicited advice maybe you're not even sharing and they just come up and they puke all over you your associations are so key because failure is a stepping stone in life um i wrote down you know as we were talking failure is a key integral part to a success just like people say oh i always want to be happy 
that's impossible if you don't know sadness. You have to have the yin and yang, just like success. How would you know you're successful? Or how would you feel um, confident in your skills and abilities if you didn't have failure along the way, or you tripped and fell? As you mentioned, you stayed up with her to help her through that, or you stayed late to work on that. You still weren't able to deliver, but you still showed her that never quit and, and that she shouldn't have a defeatist attitude. So you, you set her as a mentor, you set her along a path, like you said, five years later, look now look where she's at. And that's what we need is more people like you in this world that are willing to be critical, but in a positive way, and then not just walk away and say, okay, now do it. You were willing to hold her hand and help her along that journey. So, you know, listeners, that is so important when you get mentorship or support, Make sure it is somebody that is going to be constructive. Constructive criticism is okay. As long as behind that constructive criticism, there's okay. Now, this is what was the issue. This is how I'm going to help you resolve it. Mm-hmm. And then realize that person should not be doing it all for you. All they should be doing is giving you the, the structured path and say, okay, now when you get to there, check in. Oh, okay. Well, you did this part of this, what we talked about, correct. This could be a little bit, you know, again, constructive criticism with some feedback and move on. Right. So well, I appreciate in most, that. In most cases as a leader, it's my job to push you to that insight. So most of the time, and, and I joke, I have the best relationships with the people that have worked for me. They're some of my best friends. They've all cried. I've made them all cry at some point. And not because I'm mean or harsh, but because when you grow, when you get to that point where it's really hard and you feel that sense of disappointment or frustration, that emotion is overwhelming. It's a lot. And that's the point of growth. That's the point of, I want to be better than I was. I want to do more than what I was doing. And I know that, and I know that they can be right. So they know it. And when it comes to to good leadership and manager feedback, I think it's so important that part of what made that conversation work with my employee was that we had a really high level of trust where I had shared my own failures, my own challenges, my own struggles. She knew that I was coming from a place of love, not a place of, of judgment or, or hurt. It was a, it was a call to rally and to get back up and to figure it out and to overcome it rather than, um, you know, a, a beat down, if you will. And so I think the, that is often what leaders and managers, that's the step they forget to do. If they don't lay that level of trust framework, then that, then that, that feedback or that input is, it's really hard to receive it, um, as an employee. It's really, hard to to take it in and to to do something with it if you don't have that trust with your manager yeah and and that trust is based on the fact of vulnerability and not being on that pedestal and and pretending that you're perfect right Right. so when you're leading others whether it's in a a business or you know you're not you have your own business you're leading staff you have to be vulnerable you have to say you know what I can appreciate Sally that you're struggling or John, this is what my experience has been. I was, this would happen to me five, 10 years ago and I struggled and I was blessed to have somebody that realized I was struggling. And then instead of commiserating with me, they heard me out and said, okay, now you've got it out of your system. Let's move forward. What steps do we need to take? Right realizing that I've gone through this too. I get it. I can empathize with you. There's not enough empathy in this world when it comes to um, helping others where we don't want people to see our weaknesses. Too many people have a shield up and they're always trying to protect their image when really their image is so much more valuable to others when their vulnerability comes out and they're willing to admit that they have tripped and fallen. And the only difference between them and the person that they're mentoring is that they're farther on the journey. Right. Or they're just on a journey and they have an insight. I'm, I'm not always a, I'm not always a um, believer in, in levels or, or where people are, because I think everybody's journey looks a little bit different. And, and if some, you know, there, I guess I say that in, in the vein of that, like if somebody passes me or they get different experiences or they go different ways, that is all just 
value to the world um, and contribution to the world and everybody's looks a little bit different. And so it's not necessarily that I'm better or I have all the answers. I just have insight from my experience and you have insight from yours. And I hope that my insight can help you in your experience. Um, and, and that can happen peer to peer too. And sometimes that's the most powerful insights is when people who work alongside each other have the skill sets and abilities to give you, to help each other, to coach each other through those challenges and help them move through them so that they can gain those skill sets too. Yeah. It's nobody, anybody listening, part of me, nobody's ever should ever tell you that life is easy. <laughs> life is in session, but on that same comment, life is easy. If you work at it and you put in the effort and you have good mentorship and good associations and don't ever think you've arrived. That I think is the kiss of death for anybody, including you, Jessica. If you thought you arrived and that you didn't have to continually have mentorship and coaching yourself on the, on the continued journey and climb, how can you be an effective leader yourself, right? You can't. Right. And so, a lot of leaders fall down when they do that, when they oh. get to that top position, then they stop listening and they think they know best. That's They've arrived. Where, it's it's <laughs> the most dangerous trap, I think. Oh, absolutely. So people watching or listening, just realize that everybody's human, right? Everybody is uh, somebody that's got their own challenges and circumstances. But if you look at a leader or a mentor and Another thing you need to be aware of is people that pose to be leaders and yet they've never accomplished anything. You can't find anything. There's no proof in writing, whether it's social proof, whether it's just associations, you know, you have joint associations and a person you mention about somebody else and they look kind of standoffish. Sometimes it's because they know a truth you don't. So don't be afraid to ask people, you know, Hey, I'm thinking of working with John or Sally and, you know, I, I find this kind of information on them, but you know, what do you know about them? Sometimes people just need to be asked and it's okay to research those that are, you're relying on to help you on the climb, the journey of life. Never ever just take the first diagnosis of your life or your first path without reflection. It's back to what Jessica talked about earlier. It's okay to, you know, if we have medical issues, people will get a, go get a second opinion. You can do that in this space too. <laughs> You're trying to climb and you feel even a little bit of a, I talk about the pit in my stomach or the anxiety where my chest tightens when somebody's talked to me. It's okay. That's your body screaming out like, Hey, maybe I need to reflect or talk to other people that have worked with this person or, you know, maybe the person who referred me is doing it because they feel obligated. Maybe I should reach out to that person and say, Hey, you re you referred John to me. John said this and that made me feel kind of uneasy. Well, you know, that person might say, well, yeah, you're right. You know, so don't ever be afraid to challenge I look at too many people that are getting coached and mentored by what I call a poser. They're not a real coach. They're not a real person that's accomplished anything. They've hung a shingle saying they're a coach. They're charging these fees or they're giving these ridiculous, um, you know, not expectations, but the, the ridiculous results that they claim they're going to give you, yet they've got no proof that they can do it. So, you know, listeners, I guarantee you're getting inundated. If you're an entrepreneur of any form, you're getting inundated with stuff on LinkedIn, or maybe it's Facebook Messenger, Instagram, whatever, you know, hey, blah, 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 blah. We can help you do this for $99.95 or, you know, $495.95. We're going to help you do this. You know what? If it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. If somebody doesn't build a relationship with you first and actually discover and then offer to help you, if the first thing they do is they're pitching you and they're transactional based and not relationship based, I'm telling you as the podcast host and as your friend, run, do not hide, <laughs> just run and go find somebody else because it, our, our industry's gotten so overwhelmed with people that pose and they're not really, you know, that person, their facade. Yeah, there's, there's, 
you you are speaking to the choirs here because that there are so many you're right um advertisements and programs and things out there and it is it is hard to exist i think in that environment and to navigate who has real experience and expertise and that's that's actually one of the things that is was so important to me when i was writing my book was that I was a real person using those things, that I managed people in a business to these practices. And I love the researchers and the, the, the those folks that um, put forth great theoretical ideas. And, and I read all their books and I love them. But until you put things into practice and until you've actually walked the shoes and walked the talk and know whether it works, it, you can't say that it's going to be successful. You can't know what the outcome is going to be. Oh yeah. You, you have to put boots to the ground. <laughs> so that's what jumped into my mindset. Yeah. You have to put boots to the ground and the person you're using better have put boots, boots to the ground and you're running together or walking yes. together or crawling together, whatever the case may be, whatever pace that you need to go at your mentor and coach needs to be able to do that. They need to be able to adjust accordingly. They might have one client that requires it at Mach 10 and you're at Mach 0.5 and mm-hmm. that's okay, right? That's another thing I tell people. I always ask a coach if they all of a sudden, oh, you got to do this step, this, 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 and we're going to get this done in 45 days and this is in 90 days. It's okay to have structure. But if you don't learn that way in that type of intense structure, John may and Sally may not or vice versa. So it's okay to question, all right? You want to have somebody that's going to take you at the speed that you need to go, but an, enough pressure so that you continually speed up, that you're not always at a baby step. So I appreciate your insight. Um, so Jessica, you're currently working on your second book, Fiercely Cherished Beings, plus are the host of Evolving to Exceptional podcast. We are working on it anyway. Can you please share what this new book will entail? What can a person expect to experience with your podcast that you want to bring out? Yeah, so um, first, uh, the new book, Fiercely Cherished Beings, is totally different than my first book. So that book is a journey to um, a journey to loving myself, to learning to love who I am and discover who I am um, and what I went through as I shifted out of the corporate workplace and how I kind of learn and, and, and experienced uh, processing all of that. So it's it's a totally different book with with poems and a bunch of really short chapters um, that I, I hope will be impactful for, for folks. Um, and I've actually started um, a third book now because why why not do a third one? Um, which is going to be about um, uh, that corporate's dead and it's time to put the heart back into business. So I want to spend some time and I'm, I've, I'm actually launching a, um, a mastermind for um, human resource and talent management professionals to talk about those topics and get to help contribute to that book. So to participate in um, sessions around how to really transform the cor- corporate workplace of the past into something completely different. And it's my belief that if we do that, if we can help people reach that highest level of performance and we can change how workplaces operate, that we may be able to work less and accomplish more and everybody wins. Everybody gets to live that better life and find better outcomes. So um, that's kind of my, my primary focus right now. And we'll be talking about that in the the Evolving to Exceptional podcast. So as we start to go through that journey, we'll be covering those topics that we're we're talking about in the mastermind. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, You know, listeners, start out with the first book and look forward to the second and third to come out shortly. And I look forward to your podcast as well. Your energy is amazing. I can imagine the podcast will be exceptional. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. So Jessica, if you had to give our listeners one last closing message, what would you tell them in regards to giving a heck and never giving up? It would be to make sure that you enjoy the journey. So if you're not enjoying your journey today, do something different, make a different choice and, and, and don't continue to live the way that you have been. Yeah, that's, that's so true. We do something different. If you're not enjoying it. You feel like you're, you know, you come home and you're exhausted. 
you get up and you're exhausted. There's something wrong in that picture. Will that yes. happen once in a while? Absolutely. Even Jessica talked about it with having a four-year-old and twins. You know, you were exhausted. I guarantee it, right? Yeah. But you weren't stuck there forever. So listeners, people watching, if you feel like you're stuck and that you're on that hamster wheel and every day of the week is challenging for you and you don't know how to escape it, time for reflection time to reach out and find somebody that can help you map out like myself. I help people goal set and I help them tie that goal setting that they want directly to their finances. Because one of the things that people that are listening to this and maybe even the people you're working with that is, uh, uh, I want to call it an anchor that stops people from going up their mountain is their financial structure. They don't have, they're living with more months than money. They don't understand the rules of the money game. They don't understand that the broke stuff they see in their parents live is not having to define them. Because if your mental mindset is always focused on whether or not you can pay their bills, your mortgage, put food on the table, it's hard to climb. It really, really is. So use both of us. You can utilize my services. You can utilize Jessica's. Reach out to either one of us to help so that you can stop being camped, so you can start on a journey of fulfillment for your life, so you can reach your peak performance. So I appreciate that message. Our time is almost up, and I want to respect our listeners and your time. However, before we end, can you please tell the listeners, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, the best way is just to go to my website, evolvingtoexceptional.com, and you can get all my links to all my different social media accounts and follow me there, um, but everything's on the website, so you can, you can find it all there. Fantastic, and you can reach that listeners, people watching at giveaheck.com, hit the podcast portal, and you can go in and see uh, Jessica's lovely face and read up on her as well as find the links and stuff that she talked about so that you don't have to worry about pulling over or writing it down. So giveaheck.com, easy to remember. So thanks so much for being on Give a Heck, Jessica. I appreciate your time and sharing some of your experiences so that others too can learn it is never too late to give a heck. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to Give a Heck. If you find value, I'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and family so they too can learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. So you do not miss the next episode. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please also post a review. I look forward to reading your comments. This has been Dwight Heck. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or today's show notes, please check out my website, giveaheck.com and until next time together let us all strive to give a heck